today I welcome Nicholas Weaver, Headmaster at Ipswich School in the UK. In this episode, I discuss future school thinking now, the importance of teaching life skills, being agnostic when it comes to ed tech, and allowing phones in schools. I want to kick off with just talking about uh, the current UK system. You know, has its students specialising in their subjects once they reach 16? What are your opinions on this? I think that it's really good to keep some breadth, although I have loved teaching the depth of A-level. So I'm someone who sort of wants to have their cake and eat it in a way. I think that um, getting too narrow too early is is difficult, although I know plenty of students I've seen come through who've just been desperate to jettison the things that they feel they just feel bad at. Um, and so... Um, I have taught at a school where we introduced the uh, IB and I loved so many things about that. Um, but uh, uh, one, one of which was the breadth, the enforced breadth. And there were, I, I think there are some people who just want to do maths and science and so on who would feel it was too broad for them. Um, but I also think that our A-level system and our A-level mentality is so embedded that actually... Um, I don't think there's a lot of love for the IB, really. When you look around the, the country, as great a system as it is, I'm not, not sure it's something that would work in lots of places. Is it because it's just misunderstood, the IB? Um, because, again, I, I, I know we, we work with a number of schools that do IB, and the, the biggest challenge is how do, how do we educate the market in what IB is? Because we, we've been brought up with, oh, well, it's GCSEs and when you do GSEs, it's A-levels, and then, and then you're kind of going to university, isn't it? So, you know, IB have come across, and then we're getting the B-Techs to compete in a better equivalency in a skills-based way for, for A-levels. But, I mean, is it an education thing? Well, what I think, and this is our approach at Ipswich School, is to say, well, let's, let's keep a, a, in mind that the breadth is good uh, in a sixth-form education, but let's use the A-level system uh, to do that. And so we're maintaining that wider choice at the moment. So in the old AS world, pretty well everyone started on four, ended up on three. We still have that four, four subject start for most people. And we also have a six form curriculum, which has lots of other broadening things in it. So I think that actually, um, I'm not sure that uh, the, the market... UK um, education market is going to change wholeheartedly to a different system unless the system itself is modified, the A-level system. I think it's it has this sort of gold standard reputation, and rightly so. I mean, uh, A-levels are are um, celebrated uh, across the world, and it's a, it's a, a global uh, standard. Um, so what I think is necessary then, people doing A-levels need to be we need to keep the breadth for them while they go through that and so that's i think where i've landed in my own thinking about it let's let's encourage people to study in the, those great depth but let's also make sure that we create systems around that which mean that they have that breadth through their co-curricular activities through other things that we we put into our own curriculum so everyone has to do it so at our school we have this sort of this program called the edge of life skills and, and lots of things around your a-level studies and and we also talk about the breadth 
that is available by having a full choice start. Yeah, and I mean, you talk about breadth, and it's that breadth of subject choice because, you know, I mean, you and I both at the RGS, you know, subjects were limited, um, choices were were limited. You kind of, you know, traditionally went down the, the very narrow view of what was available and what they could timetable and what teaching they had. Obviously, nowadays, it's, you know, you want every child to thrive. And, you know, I may not be a physicist. I may not enjoy chemistry just because the teacher's not exciting me, but I love art. I love DT. I like making things. Do you make that available so you have more choice of subjects that they could excel at so every child can thrive? So as a school, we prioritise choice over, I mean, effectively, um, as you go through schools, you have to, you have to have, um, you, you, you make some choices in how you deliver your curriculum. And um, the more choice you have, the less setting you have. And now, because we're, um, we're somewhat selective as a school, not the most selective school there is, but we are a selective school. So our ability range isn't too broad, but nevertheless, we can set in, we could set in more subjects than we do, but we prioritise choice. So going through up to GCSE, lots of choice, and then we have a lot of options in the sixth form for people. So we do look to prioritise choice as a school. And I think that's important. I mean, you, you talked about the school we were at, when we were at school, I had a choice between whether I could do cadets or O-level music, which was a um, actually a, a pretty terrible choice to have to make. I chose the cadets and I didn't regret doing that. I do regret not having the opportunity to do um, uh, music as a curriculum subject. It was only a, an optional subject. We said something about the priorities, I think, in education at the time. But um, what we're trying to do at Ipswich School is keep... Um, as many choices as open as possible of course there are constraints for every school you can't offer absolutely everything and you know some things are, just aren't economical but there are but, but we we you know our sort of starting point is let's try and make the choices work for as many people as possible yeah and being a an independent school you have the luxury of of creating that choice um, and then it becomes a, a, a pay for service that, that people that can afford to get access to. And that's always the other challenge is, is what are you doing to, to ensure that that education can be made available, maybe to your kind of outreach community. Um, but I want to talk to you about how do we equip students for the future of work um, with AI possibly changing and replacing jobs in the way in which we may not be able to predict. Um, how, do, how do you go about equipping your students for the future we cannot imagine? Yeah, so that's really interesting. I mean, people have been AI changing jobs is, I think, going to happen, but it hasn't happened quite as quickly as uh, many people have been saying. I mean, lots of people have been saying that the law profession is going to be absolutely um, uh, ripped apart by AI, and there doesn't seem to be any slowdown to me in the number of people who are training in the law uh, and doing that. And I know that there's um that that was that was one big profession that people were going to uh, were saying was going to be susceptible to 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 big change but that's not to say that the world um isn't going to change and you know we hear all of these things like there are jobs that our children are going to be doing that haven't been invented yet so how do we possibly equip them well i think there's lots of things we do uh, essentially the importance the most important thing is critical thinking and it doesn't really matter how you develop your critical thinking 
But I think it is important that you do develop your critical thinking. And you can develop your critical thinking through studying um, pretty well any of the subjects that we offer in our A-level. Um, uh, but it, there is a mindset involved in in teaching and learning that that can also encourage people to develop those um those sort of meta skills um, uh, around the subject. And it's important that we do that, but it's important that it's also reinforced by debates that we have at school, by assemblies, by, you know, challenging people's thinking, even, um, even through our sort of pastoral systems, when someone comes up against a problem to help them to think about it rather than just to solve the problem. Um, although we want to solve the problem, but there are, there are ways of doing it. Um, uh, that encourage our youngsters to be alive and adept and and thinking for themselves because then they will have the flexibility and they will be the people who will be able to contribute. Of course, there's a very narrow way of educating people, which is to say, what's on the syllabus? What do you need to write down in order to get the marks and get your grade? Um, which doesn't encourage critical thinking whatsoever. Um, you can get two people who have the same grade who are developed in a very different way by education. And I'm passionately, I, I believe that we should, we should, if we educate people really well, they will get good grades in their exams and they will be fantastic contributors to society and they will be flexible thinkers and able to, to take on whatever the, the future world throws at them. Um, uh, and so th I, I think that's, that again, as an educationalist, that is what I believe in. And do you think that A level is flexible enough to deliver that though? Because you know, it's there's a lot of content you need to know, so it becomes knowledge based. Um, we there are sixth form colleges that do kind of twelve month cramming sessions, which kind of almost prove the point that you can you know cram enough time in and learn it, and be able to kind of sit exams and 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 get a grade you need to. But you're talking something more than that. You know, talking about problem solving, creativity critical thinking, these are things that the World Economic Forum said in 2020 were the, were the, the, the top three skills that, that employers wanted um, and needed when they came out for work. So how, how, do, we, how do we balance that out? So there's the, almost sort of the rigidity of, of what A-levels are, but then you've got to adapt your own educational methods to ensure that the students you have do have those skills to go beyond knowledge, which they get in their mm -hmm. devices and access to, and then learn the skills to mine it and solve real life problems yeah i mean as i said you, you you can have two people who have the same grade who are very differently trained um they, they can come out with the same grade so so it's but i don't think that's necessarily the problem of a a levels um it possibly is a, a problem for uk education you know when we value so much the outcome by grade then it, it tends to drive behaviour towards let's do everything we can just to get the grade, right? which then can mean that you lose sight of the bigger picture of education. But if you keep the bigger picture of education in mind, we want to educate our, our youngsters to be um, brilliant people, critical thinkers, all of those things. And they do that, they can get good grades as well. And so it's it's that slight, it's that mindset thing. But I don't think... It's possible we could reform the curriculum, we could reform the A-level or whatever to make it more prone to promoting that. You know, I don't think we're ready for it yet, 
but I wouldn't be averse to people being able to take in devices to be able to search up knowledge into exams in the future so that you actually what you're it's the value you add by thinking that is the most important thing and uh, i was uh, i taught physics for a long time uh, and i absolutely flipped my thoughts i thought when i started teaching i was idealistic and make everyone should learn the equations all the time um but then i thought back to my a level we had a formula sheet and actually i knew all the equations because I never misremembered them because they were on the formula sheet. So I just used them and got familiar with them so that I sort of, I sort of, you know, took them in anyway. So um, it wasn't, so people say, we well, shouldn't give everyone, you shouldn't give everyone all the formulae because then they'll never learn them. In fact, by giving everyone all the formulae, they're more likely to learn them and internalize them than if you make them learn them and some of them won't be able to, to you know, some people fall at the first hurdle. Um, it's a it's a it's a quite subtle point, but actually, if you just want people to do the thinking, um, you can separate that a little bit from the remembering, and then the remembering starts to follow anyway. You talk to anybody who's an expert in the field that they they probably all have reference books that they can refer to, but they stop doing so when they get really practiced. It's a very interesting point, and so we're we're kind of going to. Uh, segue into sort of life skills because you know the the future of work and even the the, the the current business world everyone uses a device so actually you know they, they, these are there accessible so they're still life skills having it there so I'm not distracted by it that I can go and find the information be able to problem solve and find it because you want the people to use that and I completely agree so you started focusing on teaching life skills rather than subjects with the sit form students participating in a program that you mentioned earlier called the edge and what is this how long have you been doing it and and just tell me a bit more about it yeah so we well we've always had a life skills program which is became life skills uh a few years ago from just it was the pshe program um uh, and then uh, uh, and then we decided that actually we needed to enhance it and we it turned into life skills so there's things that you have to teach quite rightly so in pshe um uh, as you go through um things about health about uh, drugs sex and relationships education all of those important things but there's other things that you know to people need to start understanding financial things the, the health education that you need actually well um you know in our sixth form in the edge because we we called it the edge in the sixth form because we think that that course is really important and it gives our students the edge when they go um on to their next stage of um education so so for example the health elements you know they, they go away uh on this week-long course in devon at the end of year 12 um and part of that is is learning first aid situations but for situations you might encounter at university you know you're at a party and there's someone unconscious um uh, you're you you're on holiday with some friends by the pool and you know perhaps one of your drinks been unattended and then the person's feeling a bit dodgy you know uh, and as in your drink's been spiked how do we what do you do you know these are contemporary issues that youngsters need to be trained in 
Um, we talk a little bit about personal finance. We talk about being on, you know, self-defense, being in threatening situations and, and you know, responses which can be helpful to you to avoid being in a, uh, you know, a danger turning into a life-threatening uh, situation. Um, but as I said, we also look at university finances, um, real practical skills. Uh, one of our parents said, I could not believe it. We were on on route to our summer holiday and had a puncture. And my daughter got the spare tyre out and changed the wheel at the side of the road. I just could not believe it. And she said, well, we were told how to do it in Devon. So, you know, here we go. That's a great story. Some of those mundane things can also give you a real confidence in life as well. So, you know, to 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 hear that being played back was a real proud moment for me that actually we we we've got these youngsters who are saying I, I'm not phased by this new situation I'm finding myself in. I've got some things in the locker which I can I can uh, fall back on. Cubs and brownies used to be the the kind of the, the skill gap um, kind of add-ons that we had when we were at, at school. And now it very much is, you know, you need to learn these things as part of, of being at school. And they're, they're, and they're so important to be able to do. Do you think that the, the, the kids benefit from the fact that they um, are pretty adapt at learning new things because of things like YouTube? Sorry, this ties into another point, which I was going to mention earlier as well. When we're talking about critical thinking, there is a wealth of information out there. And uh, so th there's there's um, the knowledge that you want is available at your fingertips on your device. But there's also a wealth of disinformation as well. And to become an intelligent consumer of that information is really important. You can also, we talked earlier about, you know, maybe you, you learn the guitar. I've met lots of um, people, lots of prospective pupils when they talk to me, said, you know, I'm teaching myself because I, I follow these YouTube lessons. And um, and it's amazing what you can learn on uh, on YouTube. It's also amazing that some of the things which are available on the internet, which are, which are wrong. Um, so you need to have a bit of discernment there. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. How do you go about teaching students how to search? Because I was, I, I was with a Harvard professor this about five years ago and we we're both keynoting on the future of education. And he was said this incredible stat that 99% of school leaders do not know how to Google. And I use that on every single time I go and do inset or preparation with, with leadership teams and with staff at schools. And I always ask them, how many of you go past the first page in Google? How many of you have ever used advanced search? And like 1%. And you know, here, here lies the problem is that we're, we're, we're lazy because we don't understand the human behavior side. We all end up adopting what humans will naturally do we believe that the commercial search engine is going to give us the right answer not just an answer the right answer and so how do we go about teaching kids how to be critical thinkers by challenging part of that is also a skill about how to like mine the data and the information that exists the things we've talked about in, in, in the past you know i think that it is important for us to challenge 
orthodoxies of thinking, you know, and I sometimes might might do that in in an assembly or those sorts of things. I think it's interesting to um, provoke some sort of cognitive dissonance. You know, if you say this is this is the result you find on the internet, but look, I've got this example which shows something different. You, okay. Right. Well, so how are we now going to solve this? And and then, um, you know, as a scientist, the, the way we 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 find out the truth is we do experiments and we try we test A and we test B and then we see which one um, seems to to fit reality better. Um, and so again, the scientific method I think is is quite important there, um, or, or or questioning and debate, um, and when you you know, you, you get youngsters to to adopt one side of an argument, maybe the side that they don't believe in, but let make the most profound argument that you can do on the other side right now, try and sit, take that down. And these are things which we see happening in lessons all the time in schools. And and so I think just educating along those lines is quite important. But yes, you, I mean, the uh, one speaker I remember uh, talked about the, the digital fast food and and it, it, which can lead to intellectual obesity you know if you just consume the you know the the top rank of your search engine on a badly constructed search you know if you construct your search well then your top rank your first page may be all you need um but but if you if you're if you're lazy or you know these days as well if you just live inside that filter bubble that you know but it's just you're hearing an echo chamber of more voices of the same type of thing and you're not seeking out views which might stretch your mind or, or 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 take you in a new way um that can can be something of a danger and it's quite difficult a to educate and it's not just educating the kids it's educating the parents because we we become the worst role models for our children because we we almost fall into those same traps because we're busy, we're caught in the moment, we've got all our notifications going off. We do the same search because again, time is finite in, in, in our kind of crazy lives. Um, so I think there, there is a broader piece here and that we do need to be doing more about because fake news is believable, right? How do you look at the difference between something that's beautifully constructed and because we don't spend much time really analyzing it, we take it at face value and it becomes a believable piece. So that I, I, I just know we can talk about a bit more. But moving on to sort of technology, you obviously believe in being technology agnostic and people bring their own devices. Can you tell us more about this and why you went down that route and not down a particular platform? Yeah, so I'm a huge fan of tech um, uh, and I, I love my own technology, phones, laptops, iPads, etc. all of which I use. Um, uh, a lot in in all aspects of life, but I also think that schools have spent a fortune on technology and have not improved education a lot. So I walk into Sainsbury's and I think back to Sainsbury's when I was at school, and you can see that they've invested huge amounts of technology and they've saved a load of other money. Um, you walk into schools and you see all of the tech that's available in schools, and actually. Is are the children being that much better educated? You know, uh, proportionately, I, I think it's not necessarily true that 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 is the case. Although there are lots of elements where where I think the technology is very helpful. So I always want to think about technology in a classroom or you know supporting learning to say does it leverage 
the learning? Does it does it make things better, or is it just a substitute for 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 something else? In which case, familiarity with a substituted device is not a bad thing in itself. But we shouldn't kid ourselves that if I do something on an interactive whiteboard that I could have done on a whiteboard, that there's something better about it. Um, it not at all necessarily. And you could have done something the same on a chalkboard. And I completely agree. You know, te- technology is a lever. It, it, it's just there. And it, and it will enhance in a, a, it will enhance teaching, but only if used and implemented well by the person leading the lesson. It doesn't create, you know, it doesn't turn a, an average teacher into a great teacher. And it doesn't. You know, schools can make a great deal of PR out of um, everybody has an iPad or nobody has a phone or, or, or those sorts of things. And I think that that is, I, I, I think that's unhelpful. Um, and, and again, I think back, we keep going back to our school days. I remember uh, when I was at school, we, we had this recommended calculator. You know, everyone was supposed to have this one specific calculator and loads of people had them. And then somebody got the the one that they're, older sibling had had finished with and given to them which was different or you know their mum or dad had finished with from work and they were and it was different and and then you had a problem in the class because you had 20 people with with the official calculator and three people with something different and that was a problem except that it's a much richer learning environment when people have to do things in a slightly different way it it causes some friction it is easier in a monoculture, say, everybody, now you press this button and now you do this and now you do this. But actually, it's a, uh, although when you accept that friction and people have to do things in slightly different ways, I think that that actually means that people learn better. And so we don't have a uh, such a monoculture in terms of devices. We are a Google school. So we subscribe to all of the the Google platform things um, that that come. So they're 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 word processing and 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 sheets that allows us to do lots of shared documents um, and presentations and so on. It allows us to incorporate, you know, the the Microsoft uh, style of things as well. But you know, and some of our children would prefer to work on those, but we can then submit. So there's that interoperability. But what we need people to do is to learn that actually whatever you grow up with it's going to be different in 10 years time so your your flexibility is important i mean i, I remember te- when i was teaching people and they're saying oh how do you do this on on this you know on i don't know on excel i'm doing a spreadsheet model with some some people in a physics how do you do that sir and i'd say I, I can't remember it's on a menu somewhere you know that is the answer. What's how do you do anything? It's it's on a menu. Okay, right. Well, I'll, have you looked at all the menus yet? No, I haven't because I was asking you how to do it. Well, I don't. I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to tell you it's on a menu somewhere. And and and, and let, let, have a look. And when you've had a good look, and if you're then still stuck, we'll have a look together, and then we'll work out how you would be able to solve this problem yourself in the future without having to ask. Now that's proper education. That's skilling people up because I could tell you how to format your numbers to be, I don't know, um, uh, percentages or something like that. I could just tell you, you click there, click there, click there and do it. Have you battled with the problem or have you, uh, or are you thinking, oh, right, the generic thing is I've, I know it's possible. Um, and so you, you need to be, you need to sort of have your mind open to what's possible 
right, this is a possibility, but how to do it, well, perhaps you need a bit of a battle with that. And that's really good education. So we are therefore platform agnostic in terms of what device. So you can access all these things on a phone, on an iPad, etc. But of course, phones are a problem because they are pernicious if you listen to some people. Um, and and again, as I said just now, you could get a lot of um, kudos as a head saying, we're banning phones in our school. How is that equipping people to live their life with one of these things in their pocket for every every moment? I completely agree with you. I still don't understand that. I just, I, I get it because they don't want disruption and it, it feels like it's an easy way of teaching. But if you're teaching the kids to be able to be adaptable, I also say about education being fit for purpose and relevant. And if you're giving them the skills, they need to know that this is, this is a distraction as much as it is an incredibly powerful tool for me to find it. Um, so how have you gone about sort of battling that kind of piece? Because I bet parents are going, no, and teachers are going, no, because they're on Instagram, they're doing these things. How, how do you make it useful? I think there are very few adults, even those who'd be staunch supporters of the, uh, of the sort of phone ban, who themselves don't have and use a phone. There are some, but they're, but they're you know, this is something that's in their pocket. And you know, I have my own battles with my phone. It is beguiling, and it could take up more of my attention than actually I really want to give it. So... So sort of setting parameters and rules is something which needs thinking about for all of us, me included, you know, and um, currently I have my phone on black and white because I actually find black and white is is less interesting. And so it takes less of my attention, um, which is, a, you know, there's a small hack, which I just read about from somebody else. I thought I'll try that for a bit. And it's actually helpful to, to you know, in, in terms of my time, uh, that uh, it's a good information source. Um, so we... Yeah, and, and no notifications. And I turn off notifications, again, because it's, it's, about, it's, a, it's about taking back control because the machine and all the platforms we subscribe to all are vying for your attention. It's this digital heroin because the dopamine kick, we see, we think it's important, and we could waste an entire lifetime distracted by notifications that were unplanned and unexpected. I now go in and have to, and again, I'm trying to teach my, my, my children, even my staff, again, just in normal productivity, I think email and Skype and everything else has the same issues where it's disruptive. So you've got to kind of be quite disciplined to go, I'm only going to go and look at it when I'm having a cup of coffee or between these hours. And I might sit there and look at what's going on in the social and respond, not constantly addicted. So what other life hacks, what, what other kind of tech hacks do you, do you have? I think that's really important. Then, the, the, so what you've described there uh, is is about saying, okay, I've got this thing in my pocket, and I want to have it in my pocket because it's so useful for key things in my life. Right. So that's the fine. But it also has this other side to it, and and I need as the human here to work out in my life how I'm going to how I'm going to manage it. Now, so we framed our phone policy in terms which starts encouraging that thinking. So first of all, in year seven and eight, that our youngest students, they can have phones at school, but they, have, they shouldn't have them on their person. So they don't have that distraction during the day. But it does mean they can go back to their locker and something's changed, so they haven't got an after-school practice, so they can text home and, and uh, you know, rearrange lifts, et cetera. So that's, that, that, that's how we manage it for them. Um, from year nine upwards... 
you, you are allowed to have your phone on your person. But our rule is that you shouldn't be using it in school unless directed by a teacher for anything that lasts longer than a minute. And the idea is then you can take it out and take a photo of a notice board or or something like that if you just want to record the information or do a text home or, uh, you know, just check some information, etc. Um, but largely, we want people in school to be spending their time interacting with one another. Um, of course, if you're using it in a lesson to do a quiz or something like that, then that's a different matter. You're, it's being used there. But that requires then the classroom management to say that the phone is being used for something I'm directing, not for something else. Um, but that's, you know, that's about classroom management. That, that, that's, that's something which I think is, is important. But, you know, when you've got a purposeful school and everyone's there to learn, then those sorts of other things that you might use your phone for are probably less prevalent. Um, we have some other rules then, which are that um, you, you can, so sometimes it's helpful in a busy environment to, to plug in with your headphones and to isolate yourself from the environment. And so you're allowed to listen to headphones, uh, music while you're stationary, if you're, if you're settling down to do something and you want to isolate yourself. Uh, and again, we encourage people not to listen to music with words because that's really bad for your concentration. But but low-level music without words it can be a, a good means of isolating yourself. But if you're moving around, you shouldn't have headphones in. So it's no headphones while you're moving around. And the other rule is that if you go through a doorway and you have your phone out, you should put it away. And um, it, in a sense, it's my favourite rule because... What we're saying is, okay, when you walk into a new room or environment, your responsibility is to the people and the context that you find yourself in, not to be glued to your phone. So it's about thinking, okay, uh, why, I'm going through a door. Why should I put my phone away? Well, that's a, that's a bit of a weird rule. Okay, but it's because we want people to say the people around you are the important ones and being um, glued to your phone is less so. So trying to frame mobile phone use around manners and control as you've, uh, you know, self-control, you know, the rules which help you to be a good custodian of this amazing device you carry around with you, I think is important because what we want to do is to help people to start working out, well, how am I going to live my life with this thing? Um, how much of my life does it, is it going to take up um, and how much would be appropriate and so on. What was it useful for? And what's it less useful for? When does it take me down? When does it build me up? How do I turn up the volume on the things that should build me up? And the thing with having a, having a very open policy like that, it's, you know, what, what it, it, it doesn't, it, it almost loses its, its, its um, underground appeal because kids will always they, they will always have a second phone, right? They, they, if you have to hand in the phone, they hand in a, an old phone, then no one checks it. And, and, they'll, and, and they're, they're, it's, kids will always find an alternative, right? Oh, you can't do that. Oh, okay, I'll find a way. So being open, it, it's, it's lost its kind of, it's, it's underground kudos where they go, oh, but then it's going to come back to surely, you know, how do you just support the teachers, like, just to make sure that they're equipped to deal with it? What you have to accept, though, is that um, if you don't have a prohibition, then there will be, you know, children in all schools everywhere do test the boundaries. They do push things. They, um, 
and they will get things wrong. And children uh, may use a phone in an inappropriate way. And you have to deal with that. And that's it's really important. Um, but what's important is that, you know, if everyone has a clear understanding of the expectations around it, then if um, one of my senior staff or even me, uh, I'm talking to someone about how the phone's being used, it's, it's never unclear what the expectations are and why they're there. So there's, there's, there's no one ever, um, uh, I, I think, with, with, has a misunderstanding about those things. But we do have to police it when it does go wrong, and it goes wrong from time to time. But it, it goes wrong in every school. So as you say, even the ones with prohibition, um, those things go wrong. But then prohibition is, you know, prohibition has never been a particularly good uh, form of of dealing with any issue in history when you look through history. So, um, yeah, yeah. So, so you're right. But, but, but it is important to say, you know, if I thought I, I, that the Ipswich School was a phone utopia where where nothing went wrong. Um, uh, that would be cloud cuckoo land. Of course, things, you know, children get things wrong from time to time, but we deal with those like we deal with them getting things wrong with one another with no phone involved. Uh, uh, and and that's important to say as part of that. But it's but it's always educative, I think. And that's that's important. It's even more important because, you know, the, the mistakes will be made. That, that That's real life. You know, we, we all have best intentions, but the world does not run smoothly. My day doesn't run smoothly. Most days, something always comes up and and bites me um, from somewhere that you have to deal with. But it's it's how do you go about dealing with that and going, okay, it builds resilience, understanding, some knowledge, some experience to go, okay, I understand that now. And then you carry on and it becomes something that is not, um, as you say, prohibition, it can't work. It, it can't work, in particular with teenagers. It's, it's the last thing you can give to any teenagers, anything to do with prohibition, because all they want to do is explore around it. I've taken up a lot of your time today, uh, Nick, because I know we can talk for a lot longer. I do really appreciate your passion around future school thinking. I love what you're doing at Ipswich School, and I wish you all the very best. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram, and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.